Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9, 14-17, called Religion and the Kingdom. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, John the Baptist did not eat or drink. He lived the life of uh, the Nazarite vow. And you said he has a demon. This is in Matthew 11. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, participated in the world, if you will, or reached out uh, and crossed some of those social boundaries. And you say he's a gluttonous and a wine-bibber. But wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Here's what Jesus is saying. You're darned if you do and darned if you don't. And this is true in the religious circles, at least of that day as well. Let me give you one example and I'll move on from it. In our cultural wars right now, Target's at the center of much of what's going on, right? Their displays and so forth. And I, I think you guys know what's going on. So there was some pressure from parents and more conservative people and some of the stores moved the displays to the back of the store. Well, the people on the other side in favor of the displays got mad at Target. And so they started boycotting Target. And the conservative groups were already boycotting Target. And they were getting it from both directions. So I heard an interview and this guy said this. And you need to hear this for your own just insight into this issue. This guy said that behind all publicly traded companies, behind Wall Street, is a group of elites that are very influential and they have a grading system for all publicly traded companies. And you have to hit a minimum requirement in uh, what they call diversity and inclusion kind of stuff to hit the minimum score to please those guys. And basically, the bottom line is that it's all about the money they know if they put something out there, if a company's going to lose money, they position themselves to make money if a company, you know, uh, goes, goes south. And they know how to position themselves to make money if the company does well. Just listen to this statistic. In the last two weeks, Target has lost $12.7 billion in stock. Now, I didn't say that for you to applaud, but whatever. Because I don't applaud the demise of anybody, really. But, but let me just say this. But, but do you see what's happened is perhaps for some... You, look, you, why do you start a business? Well, you may want to have a positive influence on society, but you, you start a business to make money. So there's something else going on here, right? And whenever you're in doubt, follow the money. There's something else going on, and, there, and there's scoring going on. But the people behind it, please hear me. The individuals caught up in the debates on both sides and in between are the collateral damage. They could care less about you because you are just a means to their end. Now, I'm not saying there's not some middle ground here. All I'm saying is this. When you follow the money... These people don't care who they step on as long as they can position themselves to serve the God of mammon. You need to understand that. Because man is fickle and man will move on from you without giving it a second thought. They could care less. 
Now, Jesus cares. And obviously, he's crossed all these social boundaries. Move over to Acts 18 for a second, a little bit further to your right. Because he cares. And I, and I want to say this to every Christian hearing my voice. If we lead only with everybody's doing everything wrong and we don't lead with the good news of the gospel and the compassion of God, we got it wrong. What were you saved from? Oh, your sins may look different, but aren't you glad that a messenger of Christ, an ambassador of the gospel, maybe somebody on the radio, podcast, television, preached hope to you to pull you out of the mire of your sin? I'm sure glad. Because I had created a mess for myself. And the gospel reached into my mess and Jesus washed me in his blood. If the church loses sight of the leading with the gospel, we're in trouble. Now, yes, we've got to try to speak to our culture, but I think it's got to start here in the church where we say, look, let's, let's get truth right. We can speak the truth in love. Now, I want to just address the... Uh, these disciples of John, just for a second. Look at Acts 18, 24. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, Acts 18, 24, an eloquent man came to Ephesus and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. He was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, but notice, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. My point is this. Some people that day had only heard the baptism of John. They needed more information about the full gospel of Christ. And Priscilla and Aquila were there to explain. Look at Acts 19, verse 1. It came about that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there was a Holy Spirit. He said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues or other languages and prophesying. There were, there were in and all, interestingly enough, about 12 men. And he entered the synagogue, Paul did, and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. That's our theme through Matthew. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way, that's Christianity, before the multitude, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, probably these that he had ministered to or witnessed to, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Back to Matthew chapter nine. Here's my point. Along the way, there were people who had heard part of the truth. And part of our job, when we're speaking to people who profess to be Christians or maybe are interested in the things of God, is to patiently share truth in love, right? That's what 2 Timothy 2 says. We need to be patient with people. 
We need to share the truth in love and bring them along. Some people don't know everything. They've kind of heard piecemeal stuff. Some people are simply parroting what they've heard on the internet or regurgitating arguments that they've heard in certain circles. And our job is to bring truth and love with as much patience as we can because we can't forget what God saved us from. Amen? Your master did that. He crossed social boundaries, tax gatherers, sinners, lepers, uh, the, the paralytic, etc., all to do what? Go learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. He has a heart for the broken. He has a heart for you and for me. That's the only reason I'm standing here because God has a heart for the lost. And so they said to him, Luke's version, 533, the disciples of John often fast, offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees do the same, but yours, eat and drink. Uh, How about giving us some insight? Maybe they're hurt. Maybe they have questions. I will say almost every movement in the evangelical world has elevated things that we might say to an unbiblical place. It could be, for example, I'll, I'll... mentioned another movement, Calvary Chapel, has been big on zero alcohol for believers. Well, that's not a Bible verse. The Bible says don't get drunk with wine, but if you have a glass of wine with dinner, as long as you keep it in its proper place, and I know alcohol has been an issue for some people, but hear what I'm saying. It seemed like the message from Calvary Chapel pastors is if you have a a glass of wine with your steak dinner, You're in sin, and that's a lie. It's not true. And that's elevating a man-made tradition. Now, there might be reasons why some of you would abstain from that if you have weaknesses in that area or you're gonna stumble somebody. We all know those things. But when we start taking man's things above God's word, we're in trouble. Jesus' response 15 will move quickly. Jesus said to them the attendants of the bridegroom, Matthew 9, 15, cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. Can they? He always, <laughs> Jesus is so brilliant, answering a question with a question. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. He doesn't say they ought to fast when this happens, or they must fast, but they will fast. I'll come back to that. Jesus compares himself to a groom in a wedding. He calls himself the bridegroom. When you go to a wedding, we're about to have a wedding in our family in the next couple of weeks, and when we go there, I will not be fasting. (laughs) I am going to eat cake in the name of Jesus. (laughs) And I believe I will be on solid ground. And when we go to a wedding, we don't go there mourning. We don't go there saying, oh, no, I can't have a piece of cake. I'm fasting today. It's Thursday. No, 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 no. You celebrate appropriate to the occasion, obviously within biblical bounds. But if we start being wet blankets everywhere we go, we look like we're the morning, you know, members of the body. <laughs> Who's going to want to hear that message? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Believe it or not, if you have doubts and questions about your Christian faith, you're not alone. The recent deconstruction movement phenomenon has a number of Christians rethinking what parts of the Bible they identify with. But is the movement simply about having doubts? If deconstruction is just about asking questions, I'm just asking questions, I'm, I'm going through some doubts, then declaring war on it would be wrong and actually unbiblical. But if deconstruction is about leading people away from historic Christianity, then declaring war on it is completely appropriate and biblical. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Download the free Walk in Truth app available in your app store today. You can also listen to the first part of this conversation when you listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. But if we start being wet blankets everywhere we go, we look like we're the morning, you know, members of the body. (laughs) Who's going to want to hear that message? Get serious, right? Shh. <laughs> I woke some of you up with that. Like, you guys get what I'm saying? No. <laughs> Jesus says the days will come. Now, I just want to say this uh, that you can note it in passing, but it's not something that should just be said in passing. The bridegroom in the Old Testament was none other than, y- than Yahweh. Jesus is making another argument that he is God. Listen to these verses. Isaiah 54, 5, for your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who's called the God of all the earth. Isaiah 54, 5. Hosea 2, 16 says, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my master. Hosea 2, 16. Jesus once again is saying, I am Yahweh using the bridegroom imagery from the Old Testament, making it clear that he is God. The bridegroom has come. God is here. Do we mourn or do we rejoice? Now, when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. What does that mean? It means perhaps the crucifixion of Jesus, his burial, when they were mourning during those dark hours. Some believe it could include the ascension of Christ and that we're in that history where fasting would be appropriate. You ask, should we fast? My answer, if you want to. How long should I fast? A meal? If you want to. Two meals? If you want to. Three days? If you want to. You You all know Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, right? He wasn't slacking in this area. But you fast if you're led by the Holy Spirit and you do it because it is Spirit-led. Isaiah 58 says, if on the day of your fast you're hangry, loose translation, (laughs) and you're brawling with your brothers and sisters on the day, yeah, but I'm fasting. Yeah, I just slugged them in the face, but I'm fasting. It's meaningless. If you're fasting because someone pressured you into it, or some tradition or religion pressured you into it, 
And we all know there's religions that say during this season, you must fast. Why? Because it puts you in better standing with God. Who says? Show me the verse. Well, it's a tradition. (laughs) Tradition. I'm not concerned about those kinds of things. I'm concerned about pleasing my king as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Amen? And I think a lot of us are still in recovery regarding some of these things. All right? So let's just see Jesus' illustrations now, and we're done. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and a worse tear results. So you have an older garment. You've washed and dried it a number of times. You don't take a newer piece of cloth and try to patch things because then it'll shrink and the hole will get worse and it'll pull away. Nor do men, 17, put new wine into old wineskins. Key words are new and old because he is drawing the analogy to, from the, to the new and old covenant. Otherwise, the wineskins burst. Now, my understanding is they would put wine in the ancient world into a goat skin bag. That's the image that we have up here for you. And new wine would go into a new wineskin, a goatskin bag, and that bag would flex with the fermentation of the wine. Wine is in one sense alive. It has properties in it that cause it to expand. And so as it ferments, the bag moves with the fermentation process and it can expand with it. But if you had an old bag, let's say you used it a number of times, and now it's brittle and old, it's an old bag, and you try to put the new wine in there, what's going to happen to that old bag? It's going to burst. I hate to burst your bubble. (laughs) But here's the thing. Jesus is saying the new covenant has come. God is doing a new thing. Therefore, you must flex with it. You must open up your heart. I am crossing social boundaries to reach out to the lost. The old covenant system is fulfilled in me. The bridegroom is here. Hear the word of the Lord. Can you imagine being a person who reflected back on Jesus' three, three and a half year ministry and stayed stuck and thought, I missed it. The Messiah was on the planet. Talk about a once in a lifetime opportunity. Once in a thousand lifetimes opportunity. And do you imagine that some people look back and said, I crossed paths with him. I heard him teach and I stayed stuck in my tradition. Oh God, help us that we don't do that. That we have the heart of our God. That we're flexible where we need to be flexible. Not on essential doctrine. Please hear me. We cannot flex on those things at all. We must stand on the essentials. Who is God? How do you get saved? There's no compromise there. But some of these other things that I've mentioned today have actually pushed people away from God or put people under such unnecessary burdens. Jesus said the Son will make you free. Truth will make you free. And people are walking around under burdens created by man-made systems. This is not the heart of God. So, oh, how we need discernment to know the difference and know how to walk it out. Father, thank you for this wonderful congregation. Thank you for these truths in Scripture. I pray that where my words have lacked, uh, you will give discernment to your people on both understanding and how to walk out the application. We need great discernment in our time, Lord. We have watched much of the professing church, at least, 
uh, compromise on essential things, and it's a shame. And I pray that we would repent of that. But we've seen the other side of the spectrum too, Lord, and there's some repenting perhaps that we need to do there as well so that we can always convey accurately your heart, your truth. Would you just keep your head uh, and heart bowed for a moment? We're about to take the elements of communion to remember that new covenant, that blood that was shed for us, the blood of Christ. And if you've not opened your heart to him, just think about him. Maybe you can put everything else aside just for the moment and think about Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. Do you know him? On that day, you're going to stand before him, the one that was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities, the one that took the judgment of God the Father upon himself. Do you know him? Are you a prodigal? Are you someone who's just wayward? Are you someone that maybe you profess to be a Christian, but your heart is far from him? Oh, he is so close to each one of us. Maybe for you, the first time commitment is what you need to do. Oh, Jesus, you don't have to have a perfect prayer, but pray it right now. Forgive me. I've sinned against you, but I am so grateful that you came and died on that terrible cross for me, that you defeated death by rising from the dead. I don't understand all that I should, but I see who you are. And I repent and receive you as my king, my God, my savior, my Lord. Please forgive me of all that I've done wrong. Make me a new creation in Christ, I pray. Maybe you're a prodigal. You've been wandering for perhaps a long time. And you would come home to him and just say, Lord, I I want to come back to you. I want to trust you and walk with you and know who you are and where I fit into your kingdom and know that I'm royalty in Christ. You know, he'll hear your prayer if you genuinely just want to come home. And for this precious congregation, once again, Lord, I pray for a blessing as they take of the elements. I pray for uh, strength from your spirit. And I pray for peace and joy that represent the, the kingdom of God and all its blessings and realities. It's in your holy name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Religion and the Kingdom, Part 3, on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9, 14 through 17. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. We have another layer of our ministry right here at Walk in Truth, and it's called A Step Closer. Often we'll have a special 633 event at Living Truth, or we'll do an apologetics-type message, and we'll attempt to take a step closer on a topic, a hot topic. And recently, at our fellowship, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, we had Tim Barnett come out, and he talked about the deconstruction of Christianity. 
What is that? That is that there's a phenomenon going on. It's happening among the young. We've seen it in some singers who are Christian singers, worship leaders, but not just limited to them. And that is that they be, begin to deconstruct their faith. What does that mean? They, they're, they're going back and questioning everything that they learn from the Bible, every ethic, every doctrine. But usually in a, in a deconstruction way, that means I'm just going to basically undo everything that I believed. And typically, and this is what Tim pointed out, typically that leads you to just believing whatever works for you which is creating your own God and just takes you right back to a subjective, I'm spiritual, but I'm going to define it for myself. That's not healthy, safe, or right. And Tim will point out why. Check it out on our app. It's called A Step Closer, Tim Barnett, getting into the deconstruction of Christianity, explaining what it is and why it's happening and how to deal with it if you have a friend or family member that is deconstructing their faith. Check it out. It's called A Step Closer. It's on the Walk in Truth app. Hey, get the app today and you can get the extra content and I pray it will be a blessing for you. Walk in Truth app. God bless. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9, 18 through 26, called Turning to the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.